Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Brittany Kalman, who's better known as True, is the first black woman to be certified as a midwife in Missouri. Helping women of color achieve better birth outcomes is her life's calling. In 2015, she founded Jamaa Birth Village. It's now St. Louis's first equal access midwifery clinic, and they plan to open a birthing center next year. But it will likely face some much better funded competition. Mercy Health announced in August that it will be opening a midwifery clinic of its own in Ferguson, right down the road. And for True Kelman, that doesn't just complicate her business plan. It also feels like a slap in the face. So joining me in studio here today to talk about it is True Kelman. True, welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Now, I understand part of why you're so upset about Mercy's plans is that you had something of a partnership with them. Tell us how that came about and and what you were working on. Yes. So um, Jamal Birth Village has a very strong mission to authentically um, lower perinatal uh, disparities in the community. And we realize that the best way to do that is through... um, authentic voices and experiences of black women and the solutions that we have at a community level. But we also acknowledge that this has to be done at a systems level by collaborating with hospitals and clinics. So um, Jamal was preparing to expand um, into a new building that was donated by some Ferguson physicians. And around that time, around August of last year, um, we were contacted by Mercy Birthing Center. They reached out to you. Yes, they did. Um, to discuss a possible collaboration. And um, I did. I went to the table with them at September 29th to talk about that. And in that moment, we realized that their staff was not very diverse, but they had a need of wanting to work with our community. And we had some women who wanted community-based midwifery care with us, but to have hospital delivery options. And that's where the conversation began. And so did you guys reach a point where you were actually doing some work with people at Mercy? We, we did. Um, but before that happened, um, there was a conversation about uh, from the director of the Midwifery uh, Birth Center there. And she mentioned that she knew that our work was very important and that it should be led by us in the community and that they wanted to stay in their lane and help us at their hospital level. They also recognized that we had already experienced some racism from some other midwives who weren't from our community and they didn't want to replicate that. So we decided that um, Jamal Birth Village would provide some trauma-informed and cultural competency training to their staff. And I want to briefly note that cultural competency is different from being um, Uh, cultural congruency is different from being culturally competent. Competent is just like checking off a box. Mm -hmm. I read how cultures should be, you know, recognized. And competency is when you thoroughly go through trauma-informed training and implicit bias. So we were going to do that training. Working with the physicians there Um, or other providers in in their network? Well, mostly it was going to be with the birth center midwives who would be working with us. Okay. And then also we reached an agreement that the only thing that they would do concerning Ferguson was to provide hospital delivery privileges for our clients that we would share. So if somebody is contracted with one of your midwives, they would be able to have their baby at Mercy Hospital, but you would be the midwife there. It wouldn't be that they're bringing in their own midwives. Right. We were the midwives to provide this midwifery care in Ferguson, and our clients could deliver there, as you stated. And the best way to do that was to make sure that their staff were trained properly to provide good care for these women. And that foundation is based on the truth that 
our infant and mortality, maternal mortality rate for black women um, is very high due to systemic racism and implicit bias. Mm-hmm. It's much higher for black women than for white women. Yes. And I know this is something that you founded your organization to tackle. So, I mean, this all sounds so promising. You're all at the table. Yeah. You're having these good discussions. Yeah. They want to do this training that you feel is so important. Mm-hmm. When did you begin to realize, wow, we have a, a big conflict here? Well, I began to realize that once we got into drafting the agreement, you know, we had the training on there. We had on there uh, the preface that Jamal would provide the community midwifery free care. They would do the deliveries. We also had on there for our clients who wanted to have home births, um, if they decided to back out of it and say, hey, no, maybe I do want to be at the hospital, that they would take those planned transfers. I started to notice something was off when the director bagged out of that agreement for the third one and said, we can't do these planned transfers, we can only do these first two, which would benefit them most to get the training and then to get our deliveries. And I'm like, hey, you're not benefiting our community. And is this common that um, hospitals would be willing to take a planned transfer like that? Very common. It happens a lot. Okay. But on paper, they didn't want to agree with that. Okay. We moved on. And in July, I was invited to meet with their midwives as we talked about this training. And they learned more about our model over the course of that year from fall of last year all the way up until this summer. They kept learning about what we were doing. But it was on August 1st that I got an email and later a call from the director, um, Elizabeth, there. And that's when she began to say, uh, unfortunately, I have to tell you, um, we're putting a midwifery clinic in Ferguson on West Florissant. That was the first you knew of this, and you'd been meeting regularly up yep. till that point. Yes. And having these negotiations and conversations, did she suggest that this had just come out of the blue that they decided to do this? Or? That is exactly what she told me. Actually, the first couple minutes, she was just like, I'm so sorry. I just want to let you know, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I had nothing to do with this. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Well, Mercy has decided to, and so she blamed it on Mercy. But um, truly, after I discovered what was happening and what they were doing, um, she told me there are going to be social support services and community health workers and all these other components that are a part of our midwifery model of care at Jamabar Village. Something that I want to point out is that if you look at the history of Mercy and their midwifery services, they never combine social support services, behavioral health, um, and, and centering pregnancy. They don't combine those different things. They strictly do midwifery care. So for you to come under the guise of wanting to help gain information and insight about our model of care, find out when we're opening our new facility and all those details, and then later say, not only are we going to put a clinic a couple miles away from you, we're going to put those same components that we learned from you in that clinic. So it's predatory, it's opportunistic, and it's wrapped into this historic piece of medical institutions taking things from black communities, colonizing them, and then feeding it back for profit. Mm-hmm. So you had an immediate visceral reaction to this. Um, we wanted to read a statement from Mercy. We did invite them um, mm-hmm. to come on the show. They declined. But mm-hmm. they offered a statement expressing regret over, quote, the confusion that has arisen related to our plans. They said, um, and this is the quote continues, Mercy's desire is not to compete with or diminish existing health services, but to complement and supplement them, filling unmet needs and improving access and quality of life for women and others in the community. Our plans are centered around 
around much-needed access to primary care and do not include a birthing center, only the extension of certified nurse midwifery services in a location that offers greater access and convenience. Many of the women who will benefit from these services are currently traveling to Mercy Hospital St. Louis to receive this care. We respect the model of care that Jamaa Birth Village offers to women, and through open dialogue, we believe that Mercy and Jamaa can collaborate in strengthening quality care for women seeking prenatal care and childbirth services. Our greatest hope is to renew our discussions to seek a path forward. Mm-hmm. True, are you willing to, quote, renew your discussions with Mercy at this point? I will be very clear that we want nothing more than to have a conversation with Mercy. And to be clear about that also, there is no regret um, and confusion where there is none. It was very clear um, what their intent was to work with us initially, which turned out to be a lie. Um, and I want to also be very clear that access do not equate does not equate to equality. And you cannot complement someone's care if you're not working with them essentially in building that model of care. So we are willing to speak with them and to talk with them and to continue in this. Um, but we want to make sure that we're clear that we've been lied to. I later did find an article dated February 9th from Elizabeth, the same woman who told me she had nothing to do with this. And it's in the, the business journal. And you can Were they discussed this specific plan, the, the one that would compete with Jamal? Her words verbatim was that she was planning to open a clinic in an underserved community, which is the one here in Ferguson, and she's a midwife. And so that was her plan. And at that time, she had not disclosed that information. So I want to be clear that my board of directors went to them and spoke with them on September 16th. And we asked them to apologize for lying to us and misleading us um, and also for preying on our community. Ferguson is a hot topic, tons of money in it, and it's mm-hmm. capitalizing in this savior lens. Um, we were told that they would be in communication with us so that we can continue our partnership and we have not heard from them until this letter went public. And that was in September that you had that meeting? September 16th. So not only were we lied to as leaders um, and as black women, but we were also ignored. Um, Our concerns as community partners were not listened to. And um, at this point, how can we trust that these folks can come into our community and they don't have cultural congruency training, and they've lied to partners and leaders and colleagues? How can we trust that our women are safe with them, that they'll listen to them if they have concerns about harm harm or hurt um, when they've ignored us as well? We're talking to True Kelman, who's the founder of Jamaa Birth Village in Ferguson. And for those of you listening, we're wondering, what do you make of Mercy's plans to offer this midwifery service in Ferguson? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, you mentioned when you said they finally did get in touch months later. This is after um, what happened on Monday. And what happened on Monday is is that um, some very prominent supporters of yours dropped a bombshell with an open letter in the St. Louis American. And these are some of the most powerful women in town. Uh, State Senator Jamila Nasheed, City Treasurer Tashara Jones, I believe, was part of that. Um, Some other prominent women wrote an open letter blasting them. Um, How did that come about that they all got involved? 
Well, um, they all heard about what they've been hearing about what Jamal Bird Village is doing, and they've been supporting me for a very long time. After being ignored for a while, um, I spoke with one of um, the signers and told them what was happening, and she too agreed that we had to do something about it. And so that's when we began to organize. Um, I do want to be clear that the folks who are leading this, they don't live in Ferguson. They're not invested in Ferguson. These are upper middle class uh, white people who do not understand the trauma that our community has gone through, and they just see an opportunity. And we sat down to speak with them. And when all of this hit the news on Monday, we still didn't hear from them. But instead, they had their, what I would call, token black community outreach person call me on my cell phone and then email me to meet. Now, I have agreed to meet with them, but we are not going to stop organizing and spreading our voices. And the reason is because we asked for three simple things to acknowledge that they hurt us in in our community and caused division. And they need to apologize for that. And then to also pause or stop moving forward with opening this midwifery clinic because you have so many leaders who are outraged about this. You have so many women who have already been harmed through um, movements like this. And people are speaking out. Even healthcare institutions have weighed in in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So something is wrong with this. Pause it and stop. And then the third thing that we ask is that they take cultural congruency training, because if they had it, they will understand why this is problematic. So once again, they've sent another black woman who they left out of the initial conversation. And now to they're now bringing her in. To clean up their mess. We're talking to True Kellen of the Jama Birth Village. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back very shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. And now back to our conversation with True Kelman. And True has been telling us about how her conversations um, with Mercy broke down and the letter that she dropped on uh, Monday in the St. Louis American, which has everyone in town talking. If you want to join this conversation, you can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. I want to go to the phone lines. Um, Stephen is calling from Cottleville. Hi. Stephen, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, how are you? Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, what are your thoughts on this dispute? Well, you know, I, I uh, was telling the uh, gentleman that answered the phone that I used to work for Mercy, and uh, there definitely has been a, a, a big change in their philosophy uh, since they uh, changed from the uh, nonprofit model to the profitability model. Um, at this point, their primary focus is reimbursements, mm-hmm. you know, for Medicaid and Medicare. Um, and you can tell the, the quality of care that people receive there has dramatically shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to use an old restaurant term, they're more interested in uh, turning and burning beds than they are um, in actually um, what I think is providing really good care. And, it, and it's because of the uh, the profitability model they uh, they've brought in some some executives that really don't know much about healthcare. They're 
background has been uh, primarily in business. Okay. Uh, Stephen, thank you for that. And that's that's very dispiriting to hear. Um, True, do you think that's what's really going on here is that they see the women that you're serving in the community that you serve as a source of profit? Yes. They are pimping black women's birth outcomes for profit and gain, period. Where were they during the Ferguson uprising? Where were they when protesters were getting harmed in the streets and uh, needed health care? Where have they been these past four years? They aren't listening to black women at all. And I just want to be clear that if they were concerned about community need and access, which they are saying, which driving this force behind their decisions, why would you um, ignore a community partner and move into an area where midwives are already there? Let's take a look at some different zip codes, such as 63107 Fairground, 63120 Walnut Park East, or 63113 Lewis Place. In those areas, you have a rate of black infants dying at 3.5 per 1,000, compared to 11.4 in St. Louis County. Mm -hmm. And then if we look at pregnancy outcomes, we have 38% of black mothers in the city receiving inadequate prenatal care in comparison to 27% in the county. So go where the access is truly needed, not where the access is already provided. I want to thank Stephen for his call. And I do want to remind our listeners, we did reach out to Mercy in advance of this conversation. They did decline to be interviewed. They sent us a statement. I read it previously. But if you're just tuning in now, we also do have that posted on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org if you you want to get their side of this conversation. Um, True, you and I first talked more than a year ago. And I remember at the time, we were discussing how all this attention was finally and sort of very suddenly being paid to black women's mortality and childbirth. The fact that so many black women have such worse outcomes than white women. And you told me at that time that you had mixed feelings about the response. You said, and this is a quote, it's like, finally, but in terms of money going into it, it's going to huge organizations with huge budgets, people having talks about it and strategically planning how to change it. There's hardly any money going to organizations providing direct care and who can actually change what's going on. Mm -hmm. Have things changed since we spoke in 2018 in terms of your frustration with that problem? Yes, literally within a year, it moved from everybody sharing the pots amongst their institutional friends to research and evidence coming out saying that for us, by us, community-driven models um, by folks with the lived experiences actually have valid solutions that work and that thrive. Um, Jenny Joseph is a midwife out of Florida who has a proven model called the JJ Way, which helps to reach zero disparities. And so we work closely with her and we are able to implement a lot of those techniques in reaching those disparities. But the key in that is that that model was created by a black woman who experiences some of these same systemic um, issues of biases and racism and oppression. And so... Um, so that yeah. people aren't just doing it top down. You feel like in the last couple of years, there's been some progress made towards actually listening to the voices of the women involved. Yes, um, I would say that more organizations are strategically funding grassroots organizations that are led by black women and they're investing and leveraging into them. So what the leaders in this open letter are asking is that if you truly do care, like you're saying in this letter, about the work that Jemai is doing and saying that it's amazing and we want to compliment it, invest in it. 
leverage it, collaborate with our midwives. Don't move blocks away and compete and and still, you know, or I I wouldn't say the word still, but use program materials without permission Mm -hmm. when we could be working together. We have heard from a number of listeners here. Kayla on Twitter writes, I agree with True that Mercy's action to compete with Jamaa Birth Village is a real flag that they will be unable to hear the concerns of patients. Why not support what currently exists? That facility could be built in other places where that type of care is needed. And Catherine in University City just sent us an email. She writes, I worked as a nurse practitioner in a community health center for years. When the big hospital centers decided to, quote, help the community, it was always for a financial motive. They wanted our patients out of their ERs and waiting rooms because they often couldn't pay for care. When they established clinics in our part of the city, they skimmed off the insured Medicaid patients and left us to deal with the sliding scale or no-pay patients, sort of Mm -hmm. taking away what makes the model work. Yes. Um, I want to go to the phone lines. Ira is calling from St. Louis. Hi, Ira. You're on St. Louis on the air. How are you doing this, this afternoon? Uh, I, I commend the young lady for the plan that she came up with. I was born uh, by a midwife. I shouldn't know my midwife. It was my auntie, my mother, and that was in the South. And one of the things, my auntie had to be trained as a midwife. Uh, this takes special training only black folks have been doing for years and years and years and years to understand how the process works. It's not something you can have to go to. There's no books about it, no courses about it. And also, I've been very quiet. You know, I've been in Ferguson since day one. I've been kind of in the background, and but this is something that kind of brought me to speak about that this is just, uh, again, somebody coming in for profit, kind of profitize or something. A, a black lady came about with our culture, probably from my family, had to do this. This is not something you can do overnight, and I'm quite sure she can tell you that. This is, this, this is a process that you have to learn, you have to be taught before you can go trying to work with a black mother on a case like this. And I know for a fact that my mother... Uh, sister was my was my midwife, so I understand how that process works. And it's a very delicate process that need to be need to be understood before you can go be a, uh, a midwife. Th- a thank you so much, Ira. Um, and boy, how great is that to hear that Ira owes his existence <laughs> to a midwife who helped his mother give birth? It's amazing, and uh, thank you, Ira, for that. I'm so happy that he said that. We have about fifteen thousand midwives in the United States of America. Hmm. Less than two percent of them are African American women. And the truth is that in the early 1900s, there was some legislation that strategically displaced and eliminated midwives. Even though this is something that the community had been doing prior to that? Oh, since antiquity. Okay. And what happened is that we were replaced by white public health nurses that worked under hospitals at the time. And they went into the underserved communities. And what we see is that, yes, the overall infant and maternal mortality rates decreased as a whole. But the disparity gap for those deaths began to grow for black women because their community midwives were erased and racism and bias moved in. So me becoming the first black certified professional midwife in Missouri is not only historic, but it was designed in a way for us to not have folks like that to lift their voices. And now that I'm here and serving the community, I have all this racism and bias just trying to keep me out. And I'm literally just trying to provide care for the community. I'm going to go back to the phones. Lynn is calling from O'Fallon. Um, Lynn, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hello, Lynn? Can you hear me? 
Uh, I think we've got some problem. We'll, we'll try again with Lynn in just a second here. Um, True, um, thinking about that open letter with so many prominent women supporting your clinic, I found myself thinking about your journey. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting all this support now, mm-hmm. but I know that part of the reason you got into this line of work is because you didn't get it when you needed it, and that is when you were very young and you yourself was pre- were pregnant. Do mm-hmm. you feel like just looking at how you've gone from that point to this point, it must kind of blow your mind a little bit. It does blow my mind, and I stay very very much still connected to that young girl who had those challenges. And I often use the term that I went from trauma to triumph. So I know how it feels to be black and single and on Medicaid and pregnant and delivering at a hospital and to have um, midwives or um, professionals ignore you because of your race or because of the type of insurance that you have. Um, I know how it feels to be looked at and discussed and to be ignored um, and to, you know, have to be left to fend for yourself. So the holistic uh, wraparound model that we provide really addresses a lot of things. At the core of it is shared decision-making and empowerment. We practice informed choice and not informed consent. So we're not just about saying midwives are here to save the day. We want people to be educated when you come through Jamaa's doors. So even if you don't deliver with us or get care through us, you're empowered in a way that whenever you walk through those hospital doors, you can advocate yourself because racism is still alive and well in these institutions. And that's why we're dealing with what we're dealing with today. And I know that with your organization, in addition to this this giant battle that you suddenly find yourself in the middle of, there has been some really good news for you guys. And yeah. you're going to be moving into this new home. What's the timeline on that? Yes. So we are looking at moving into our new home in the first quarter of 2020. So and that's still on pace, even with this storm that you're in the middle of. Yes. It's not stopping anything. I wrote a letter to the community and told them that why we organize and advocate um, in this situation, classes, services, education, and progress on our building will continue to thrive and go on strong. We will not be derailed. We will stand strong and make sure that we demand what we deserve. I understand that um, Lynn from O'Fallon, who we were hoping to talk to, she is now back on the line. And I want to go to that call in the couple minutes that we have left here. Mm -hmm. Um, Lynn, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Thank you. I just uh, jumped in the car and turned on my favorite radio station, and and I heard you guys were just discussing mercy. And uh, I just want to say that uh, when we first moved uh, to St. Louis over 30 years ago, we've always used mercy. I had seen such a difference um, from the, you know, 30 years ago till really in the last uh, five, six or more years. Um, the Sisters of Mercy used to run and manage everything. They were fantastic. They were so in touch with the employees, with the families, with the communities. Um, uh, it was fantastic. And I had seen since they have sold off or put in different management, um, it has all been about money all the way to the top. Um, it's it's really sad because the sisters would be so upset if they knew and saw what was going on today. 
Lynn, thank you for that call. And I'm sorry that that has been your experience. Um, And true, I guess this all goes back to what we've been talking about this entire conversation is Mm -hmm. there's a concern that healthcare sometimes puts profits before the people it's serving. Yes. And they will not make money off of our black bodies. There is a historic uh, prominence of this kind of OB practice being done on black women's bodies, and they will not make money off of our trauma and our harm and our pain that they're giving to us through this oppressive system. So in this moment, we're asking for solidarity and support. Um, if you're a community member, if you're a healthcare provider, um, whoever you are, if you are seeing and hearing this injustice, we're asking that you stand with us and support us. Write a letter, give a phone call. You would want people to reach out to Mercy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they can uh, email Village at info at jamaburfillage org and share their letter of solidarity. And they can also email um, the Mercy team. We have this information on our social media pages um, at Jamaa Birth Village uh, via Facebook and also via Instagram. You can see how you can support us. And we're trailing all of our actions on Twitter. And you can follow us at Jamaa Birth and you can see how we're going to continue to organize and address this issue. So, True Kelman, founder of Jamaa Birth Village, um, clearly this fight is not over. I want to thank you for joining us today and I hope that you'll keep us um, updated as, as this uh, these conversations continue. We will. Um, And for those of you who do want to read uh, Mercy's statement on this, that's on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org. You can find our summary um, of the fact that True is going to be coming on. Their statement is in that. And also, if you're interested in getting more information about Jama, it's J-A-M-A-A and then Jama Birth Village. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.